Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Beautiful Sunday morning. We, wait, we waited a long winter to have a morning like this, and so uh, it's beautiful. I know that you've already enjoyed it this morning. This morning we are in on week six of our series on the family, and I just want to review what we've gone over so far. Uh, very quickly, we talked about the six things that every kid or teenager needs from the adults who are influential and important in their lives. And we said, the first one, we said that, that they need time. They need time over time. So spending time with our kids over time, it creates history. It creates a history of who they are and a history of relationship uh, that we can have with them. And, you know, unfortunately, there are too many uh, parents uh, that don't put that time in, right? They put time in, but it's in other things. They have other priorities. And then when they're ready to have that relationship with their kid, the kid's heart has moved on um, to something else. And so time over time. We need to give love over time because love over time gives a kid worth. Worth. I am worth being loved. I am worth loving. I am lovely. I'm worth it. Kids need words over time. They need good words over time. Bad words over time put a kid in a bad direction. Good words over time set a kid in a very good direction. So think about the time that you're giving the kids in your life. They may be a niece or nephew. They may be a grandchild. Maybe your own kids. Think about the uh, words that you're giving kids in your life. Think about the love that you're giving. And then think about... Uh, tribes over time. Tribes over time create a sense of belonging. I think of uh, when a dad might come into the living room or the dining room and take a blanket and just kind of put it over some chairs and create this little space, right, where the kids can climb under and uh, they, can, they can get under there and they can have a little fort or a space and it's just only, only the three of us can fit in, only me and my sister and dad. Where only me and my, unfortunately, my little brother can fit in, and dad, right? These, these little tribes, these little places, and then to something a lot bigger. Uh, they, they belong to the family. They belong to the extended family. Maybe a neighborhood of kids and a tribe of church members, fellow believers in Jesus. Tribes over time create a sense of belonging in a kid. And this morning, we want to talk about stories over time. The kids need stories. Now, at first blush, that sounds kind of lame. Kids need stories. Well, Jack and Jill went up the hill. There's a story, right? But I find this interesting, that Blockbuster went out of business, right? Because of what? Netflix. Somebody said Netflix. Yeah. They, or so they say. Maybe bad management as well. I don't know. But Blockbuster, along with all the other video stores... I was in Nashville a number of years ago. We were meeting with somebody that we, we might bring as our worship pastor in the church. And he was taking us around Nashville, and he was showing us these big, huge behemoth buildings. He said, this is where they used to make CDs. <laughs> this is where they used to produce CD, music CDs. They, they, it's gone. They don't do it. MP3s. MP3s at the time were it. Um, however, so you've got Blockbuster's gone. And you've got uh, the, the cassette gave way to the CD, and the CD gave way to digital. 
the VHS tape gave way to the DVD, and the DVD gave way to streaming. But there is still something that was around 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, maybe 70. Yeah, 70, longer. The movie theater. There's still movie theaters. Because people love a good story, right? That's what a movie is. A movie is a good story. Kids need stories in their life. My my sister and I were at her house maybe five or six weeks ago. I had gone to visit mom in Buffalo for a couple days. And my sister had been going through my mom's stuff. And um, when when we cleaned the house out, we took all of her personal stuff and it went to my sister's house so that we could go through it. And everything else we either sold or gave away. And she was going through pictures. And so um, we were looking at pictures, and she was over here, and I was here. And I, and I started looking at th- this little batch of pictures that I'd never seen. There were a lot of pictures I'd never seen. We thought we had seen all of Mom's stuff. We thought we knew where all of Mom's stuff was. Ah, but there were some things that we had never seen before. She had to know we were going to see these things, like these letters from my dad. I mean, really, Dad? I mean, seriously? You were ever that young and thinking like that and talking like that? Putting yourself in writing? Talk about uh, old emails, right? These pictures were different. As we looked at, I looked at this picture and I thought, well, that's weird. I said to Diane, I said, Diane, look, look this is... Uh, she looked at it and she said... Oh, Jeffrey, I, I'm, I'm getting sick. My, my stomach is getting sick right now. I said, well, nothing to get sick over, but I think it is what it is. Family stories. Kids need different kinds of stories. One kind of story that kids need are family stories. Family stories will give a kid identity, will define who the kid is, will place him or her in a context of a group of people that are their closest relatives. And as I was looking at this picture, and I'll tell you more, but it, it redefined some things for me, and it started telling me a little bit different story. But kids need family stories. Kids need cultural stories, cultural stories to help them make sense of the world that they live in. Um, you know, going back to family stories, you got Crazy Uncle Harry, right? There's Crazy Uncle Harry. I had Crazy Uncle Oscar, right? Oscar was... He was just short a few. I mean, this is how we talked about it back in the 70s, right? Until I learned that Oscar was in the war and he was exposed to nerve agents. And he was never the same after that. So when I heard that story, oh, okay. Now I understand things a little bit differently. Now I don't think about crazy Uncle Oscar the way I used to. I have respect for Oscar who served and went through something and is carrying the marks of that in his life. We need cultural stories. What are, what are the, over, what's the, what would the overarching cultural motif be of the last 20, 30 years in America? You might say it's this or that. I think at least one of them would be 9-11, right? 9-11 is the story of our time. It defines who we are as a people. It defines what we've done in the last almost 20 years now. For good and bad, right? Um, but it's certainly a piece of the story. Uh, the, the ideological divide in our nation right now, the, 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 the separation of people is part of the story of our culture. Uh, the internet 
is part of our story. We're the generation where the internet happened. Well, we're the, we're the generation. Some of you showed up after, right? The internet happened. But, so, and so some of you are the first generation to be born after the connected world was, was a reality. You'll never know what it's like to be able to walk in a field and not be tracked or drive across a country and not be followed and by, every, by every camera along the highway. Smartphones are part of our story. But, how, but how, do we, how does a kid put all these things into his or her brain to understand the world except through stories which give perspective? Stories bring perspective. The most important of the stories, certainly, are Bible stories. Because the Bible isn't just a book of stories. It is a book of stories, but it's not just a book of stories. It is the story that God wrote for us. The story, the, the meta-narrative, the big overarching story of the Bible is the redemption of us through Jesus Christ, right? The salvation of humanity through Jesus. That's the story of the Scriptures. And every story in the Bible fits somewhere into that story. It supports, it draws from, it flows into that story. Our salvation through Jesus Christ. So there's Bible stories. In fact, if you, uh, I've got a slide up on the screen, but if you wanted to look in your Bible, you might not even have to look. John, I would say John chapter 3 is the greatest story in the Scriptures. But a story needs a few elements to be a really good story. And everybody loves a good story. A story needs characters, right? Got to have characters. Who's in the story? Tell us, tell us who they are. Then you have to have um, context. Where were they? When were they? How were they? And, uh, and, and when, what are they doing? Then you have to have conflict. Conflict is necessary for every good story. Somebody once said that a story is really just a problem that gets resolved. If you have a problem that gets resolved, that's the making of a great story, right? And that's what so many movies are. The movie starts out, and there's characters, and the context begins to build. Oh, and there's this problem. And is he ever going to get this girl? He wants her, or she wants him, and then, but they don't know, and then, but then she thinks that he doesn't, but he thinks that she doesn't. And, and she cuts off her hair to buy him, what was it, what was it? A wallet, and he, and he gives all his money to buy her a comb, you know, and it's just all this conflict. And there's the bald lady who doesn't need the comb and the guy with the money who doesn't have a wallet. I don't know how it goes. It goes something like that. Conflict and resolution, characters and context. So you look at this passage in John chapter 3, and it says, For God so loved the world. So we've got a couple characters here. We've got God and the world, the first two. And the context is love, and it's the God is loving people. You're thinking, well, that's, that's a good story. We could maybe just stop there. Because, of course, God is loving. God is love. But for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There's another character. Why would he have to give his one and only son to love the world, though? That doesn't make, Usually if you love somebody, you want to be with them and spend time with them and just be, be with them. 
What does this have to do with giving your one? And why is it important that he's his one and only son? And why would you want to give your one and only away? So there's conflict. There's questions about context. If you were to drop in from planet Mars and, and, and ask somebody, hey, there's this really important book. I've heard about it. Just what, what's like the most important about Well, read John 3.16 and you'll get it. And so you just drop into John 3.16. You're like, I, I don't get this. I don't get this. His one and only son. That, that whoever, here's more characters, believes in him shall not per- perish. Why is anybody perishing? What's, what's the problem here? Why are there people perishing? But what they don't have to perish, but they can have eternal life. Well, there's a happy ending. You know, most good stories have, we want them to have happy endings. Sometimes we're just happy if they have endings, right? Aren't those the worst movies? You get to the end of the movie and it's just a big question mark. You've been waiting the whole movie to see if it does or doesn't happen. Then you get to the end and it's like, just fill in in the blank. You can think about it if it did or if it didn't. And then these movies that that are made from novels, and the movie changes the ending. It's not even the same ending as in the novel. Well, there's an alternative ending. Happy endings are the end of the story because after that, it's boring. Like happily ever after, that's always the end. It never starts out as happily ever after. You've got to have characters and context and conflict and resolution and the struggle and the saga and the drama and the emotions and the relationships. These are all part of the stories. So Bible stories, kids need to hear Bible stories because when they do, they can make sense of the world and of God and of them and who they are and how they fit. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Well, we hear that from irreligious people a lot. They, they, they're irreligious because they think that God's against them and God's against the world and Besides, if he was really God, he wouldn't have made such a messed up world. And they've got all these conflicts in their head about, and these preconceptions about who God is. And there's a lot of good questions. There are a lot of good questions that don't have good answers. Even when you read the Bible, you're left wanting for answers. If God is so good and so powerful, why is the world so messed up? Well, isn't that just the question of the ages, right? Isn't that just a reason to cling to the one who says, I'm sovereign. I'm the creator. I love you. I can can redeem bad situations. I'll always be with you. And to go down that direction for the answer. He didn't come send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So now you've got salvation coming through this character, Jesus the one and only Son through whom salvation will come to all who believe. That's the greatest story. Now, you might think that's the greatest story. It might not be the most popular story. Somebody holler out. Come on. Some of, the, some of you people that are, uh, not, that are uh, you know, outward. What's the word? Introvert, extroverted. What's one of the popular Bible stories? Jonah and the whale. Right, Noah, Noah and the whale. I'm Moses and the ark. Right. What's that? David and Goliath, right? David and Goliath. 
Jonah and the whale, give me one more. Samson, Samuel, Daniel in the lion's den, right? What do these stories teach us? Somebody said Daniel and the lion's den, which takes me to his friends who were in the fiery furnace. Remember that story? It takes me back. My wife's not going to remember this, but 1985, October. No, 1983, October. We were at a Bible conference, and Harry Ambacher preached a message, and he told the story of Daniel's friends in the fiery furnace. But there was a fourth one in there who looked like the Son of Man. And Jesus was in the fiery furnace with them. And his thesis for the message that night was, it is better to have walked through the fire with Jesus Christ than never to have walked through the fire at all. And I remember, and he told stories. And that, that stuck in my mind like 34 years later. Here I'm, I wasn't planning on quoting it, but, but that, was, that was it. But it came from that story. That story of the men in the fiery furnace. And isn't it better to walk through the fire with Jesus than to just never walk through the fire at all? If you never walk through the fire at all, you have a boring story. It's not real life. Real life is a really interesting story. So stories over time and Bible stories over time really matter. They provide kids with the relational and the cultural and the spiritual context to shape their perspectives about God and about faith and about themselves, about the world. Stories over time expand a child's imagination in a way that can shape his or her perspective. So stories over time shape perspective. The kinds of stories over time determine the kind of perspective. And if we leave all the storytelling to society for our kids, we can know what kind of perspective they're going to have on the world and the important things in the world. The imagination. I just had yours going there for a minute. You thought, what's going on with Pastor Jeff? He's just looking at the lectern. What, like, is he... Lost? Is it, you know, what is he doing? The imagination. J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, she suggests this, that we are the only species who can think ourselves into other people's places, who can imagine ourselves into other people's spaces, and who can imagine ourselves different than we are right now. Think about that. God created us, and he created us with an imagination. No other created being on the planet has an imagination, can think about climbing the Eiffel Tower and standing underneath it and realizing this is a lot bigger than it ever looked when it sat on my desk. This is a lot bigger. You get about five or six stretches up there, and you're realizing... I don't really want to go any higher. And the planes are flying overhead and there's clouds. And after you get up a certain height, people are starting to gather below to watch. What is this guy, what is this woman doing? See, you're already imagining that happening. Or, or getting out on, on a ledge to wash windows before they had, you know, all the safety stuff. 
and you know you would just you would just be out there and then you'd have to just kind of you'd have to kind of just go like this and and then and wash and you can imagine right being up on a ledge and you but you wonder how many stories is it is it 10 stories is it 20 beyond 50 does it matter does 100 stories seem higher than 50 we can imagine stuff we're the only species created by god who can imagine and stories fuel imagination. So I want to ask you a question. What kinds of stories are you sharing with your kids? What kinds of family stories? What kinds of cultural stories? What kinds of Bible stories? What kinds of story books are you encouraging them to read? What kinds of movies do they watch? What kinds of programs? What are they consuming on Netflix in story format? So neuroscience has figured this out. They figured out that facts can go in one ear and out the other. Information. So if I were to stand up here and go to the first half of any of Paul's epistles, where he's got all the doctrinal stuff, and just read to you all of the facts about salvation and all of the information about theology, after not that long... It's going to put eight out of ten of you asleep. Or you're just going to, your mind's going to fill up with other stuff because that information can go in this year and out the other. But stories are different. Stories are very different. She was standing there and she had this Coke cup in her hand. It was from McDonald's. And it was at least half filled with ice and it was at least three-quarters full with Coke and it started, I saw it to start shaking, start shaking. And, and then I saw the Coke coming out of the glass. And before I knew it, she had splashed it all over the place and dropped it on the floor. You're listening to that. Like, who? Where? Where did you see this? When was it? Because stories, we all know about a Coke, a glass of Coke, because we've all probably had, I assume, a glass of Coke. We've had a drink of some sort in our hands. Maybe we've spilled it. My sister walked into her bedroom that night. I was in the kitchen, and she screamed what I say, bloody mayhem. <laughs> she was scared, and my trick had worked. I took a, one of my white shirts on a hanger, and I hung it from the chain that turned her light on and off. So when she walked in, she thought somebody was standing in the middle of her room. But you all are thinking about the time that you scared somebody. Like the time I opened my closet in our bedroom and I went to get a shirt. As I pushed the shirt over, there there was my wife. (laughs) She said something like, Hello there. (laughs) Stories. Stories capture the heart, they capture the imagination, they capture the emotion. Kids need stories. What kinds of stories are your kids consuming? So what does imagination in a child create? Without imagination, you can't see past what you already know. Without imagination, uh, how can you care about how somebody else feels? How can you hope that anything's ever going to get better in life without imagination? Reading the Bible requires imagination because the Bible presents a reality 
that is invisible to the naked eye. It talks about the spiritual realm, right? We can't see that. We need to use our imagination. We need to think about it. And so stories are told in the Bible that illustrate that. Stories over time can collectively work to build a child's emotional, relational, and moral intelligence. There was a landmark study done from the Journal of Research and Personality. And it actually indicates that the more fictional stories a child hears over time, the more made-up stories, right, fiction, they hear over time, the greater their empathy. Because stories give you the capacity and the practice of feeling what other people are feeling. Understanding what other people are going through. Imagining yourself in their shoes. So have we ever considered that maybe God gave us our imagination so we could imagine things about him that we have never seen, things about him that we can't see? Just like before we said that God created time because only over time can we learn things that we would never learn in a moment or in a day. And with our imagination, we learn things that we could never learn without it. We could only see what was. So we need to encourage our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, the kids in our lives, we need to encourage their imagination if we ever want them to be able to imagine the power of what happened when God created the world. I mean, what was that like? Look, you know, our, our society calls it the Big Bang. Well, that's, that's a pretty good try, right? The Big Bang, that's when God created the world. Well, what, did, what really happened? Like in my mind, I see these pictures from the, te- the Hubble telescope. You know, what was that like? Our kid needs imagination if they're ever able to understand the voice of God to Moses from a burning bush. Moses, right? We've seen the movies, the deep voice. Moses, Moses. This morning in the first service, I said, what if we get up to heaven and God is actually, his voice is actually an Irish tenor? Moses, Moses. Um, If we want our kids to imagine the miracles Jesus performed as he traveled to the different communities, the woman who touched the hem of his garment. I've told you about that little soft cover, Good News for Modern Man, that had the stick figures drawn in it. And as a kid, I was drawn to that one that showed, I could still see it in my mind, showing, showing the woman on her hands and knees reaching up and touching the hem of his garment. And as a kid, I would just stare at that picture. And I would just imagine, like, what did she feel? How was, after 12 years of being sick, how was she healed? Like, what kind, like when you're a kid, you think concretely, what kind of power came out of him? I used to picture the cat going through the little lightning bolt and the ever-ready batteries. And the, bat, and the, the power in a battery, maybe the power coming out of Jesus, and maybe there were sparks and your imagination. It helps you to imagine the majesty of heaven and earth coming together for all of eternity, where the, the Lamb is on this throne, where the, where the King is, and, and they're the light because there's no need of the sun or the moon because they're the light of the city. So don't miss this. God gave us imagination. And stories fuel imagination so that we can imagine the unimaginable. Wait a minute. Can you imagine the unimaginable? 
<laughs> yes, we can. Animals can't, birds can't, fish can't, bugs can't. But we can imagine what to all the rest of creation is unimaginable. Stories have the potential to stretch our perspectives about God. So the stories that we tell, they really matter. We're inviting kids and teenagers into a bigger narrative, one where they've been designed to play a significant role. They get to be a character in the story. So we think about Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. Like, I'm not a Star Wars person. It's just beyond me. I've never been able to figure them all out. These are actually before those, and those come after this, and this is actually that person in the other movie, and I can't figure it out. In fact, I think one time I had my son-in-law on the platform here because he's got it all figured out. Frodo in Lord of the Rings, Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, and, of course, the boy named Harry. Why do these things have such an appeal? Because to kids, because they're these grand, huge stories with oversized, bigger-than-life characters and themes that are as ancient as the Bible. Good versus evil, right? Love. And they remind us of the struggle between good and evil, the existence of a supernatural and miraculous power, the potential to be personally restored and transformed. Stories are so powerful. When I have a conversation with guests on our podcast, my role, my side of the conversation is to draw out the person's story. And I've said this before. On one episode, we've got a guy who's an executive pastor overseeing eight multi-site church of over 20,000. Uh, on another episode, we've got a lady and her and her husband are planning a church. And so far, they're in West Virginia and they meet in the local library and they've got about 40 people. And out of both of those people, I have to draw the story. And to be honest with you, this person over here who's got a church of 40 people really beat out the one who's got a church of 20,000. Because his story wasn't all that compelling. He was really wise, had a lot of good information, but man, she told stories. And you listened to it, and it was exciting. She told about how she wanted to stay home. She didn't want to work because she wanted to be there for her neighbors. Oh, wow. She just wanted to be available to her neighbors. Talked about how they raised money to pour a concrete slab in their backyard and put up a hoop so that their kids could invite all the neighborhood kids over and she could have influence on them. And then she told other stories, crazy stories. It's no wonder that stories over time inspire and shape us. Stories grow our faith. Stories give us hope. So if we want our kids and teenagers to have a perspective about this world, and if we want their personal story to connect to a bigger story, a bigger story where God is the author, then as a parent or a grandparent, we want to create a storytelling and a story-reading culture in our home. And one of those stories has to be Scripture. There's a lot of kids' books, and some people say, well, that's not the Bible, that's a kid's story, Bible storybook. Oh, man, but they're learning the stories of the Bible in a way that, gra- that, that grips their uh, attention 
And that later on, when they end up reading it in the Bible, they, oh, I know this story. Let me see what really happens. So hearing stories prepares kids to face whatever happens. Oh, I've heard worse stories than that. These characters, these real people, they made it through there. I I can make it through. Hearing stories compels young people to take risks because they've read maybe biographies or autobiographies about people who took extreme risks, but they accomplished so much. So our young people need to hear these stories so that, and then the cultural stories as, as they see what's going on in our culture, the good, the bad, the ugly, they say, I can, I can fix this. I can be part of the solution. I can go to school. I can get educated. I can start a business. I can change my part of the world. I can write a new chapter of the cultural story around me. Hearing stories challenges them to do something significant. If you get, a, if you get an adult who's never read a story, never had a story read to them, you've got a person who's never really accomplished much. Because they, why would they ever even think of it? They go to work, they come home, they watch TV, and that's about the end of it. Hearing stories moves kids to keep believing that good will ultimately win. Even though in the short term you might lose the battle, ultimately with God we win the war. So summarizing stories, six quick things. I'm just going to read them. Stories over time will give your family a richer history. Family stories. I could have you turn to the person next to you and say, tell them what's the one family story that gets told every family reunion gets told every holiday meal, right? That, you know, that story, the story that you want to tell the person on the airplane next to you, right? Family stories over time gives your kid a richer history and a richer stake in your family. Stories over time will transform a kid's perspective. Stories over time will make their life fuller, will make their faith deeper, and will make their hope stronger. Stories over time will move them to imagine a world beyond their own world. To imagine being somebody that tomorrow that they aren't today. And it will help them reach for that. Stories over time will foster empathy and compassion. Don't we all want our kids to be more empathetic and more compassionate? And stories over time will help them to imagine the unimaginable. And doesn't this help us to imagine the unimaginable. So in my sister's living room, we're looking at this couple pictures. And it was my mom on her wedding day. And she looked so young. You know, one of the bride and groom relaxing, you know, kind of the casual picture. And one of the bride and groom cutting the cake. And and. My mom looks so young, but then my dad, that's the thing. The bride was my mom, but the groom in these pictures wasn't my dad. And my sister and I were like, what? What is up? And I said to her, this this looks like a wedding. Somebody said, maybe it was a play. (laughs) Well, maybe it was a play, but there were other pictures. 
And, I mean, I've always thought I look like my dad. You think I look like my dad, don't you? Right? (laughs) So the story of my family is still like a good picture, is still developing. It's still developing. I guess it's not fully developed yet. And my mom isn't at a spot where we can ask her. And she's the last one in her family to be alive. She's the youngest and the last one. And anybody else, we don't really know. We've asked the few that we would know to ask, but we don't really know who else to ask. So that's kind of a story that has tantalized me and my sisters now for the last six weeks, only six weeks. So like, you know, you're 56 and you find out that, man, maybe. So she graduated in 1953, but mom and dad didn't get married till 58. So between the ages of 17 and 22, did she only work for the phone company? Or was there something else? (laughs) I don't know. Stories. Stories help define us. You'll probably never forget that story. Yeah, Pastor Jeff might have just found out in front of all of us that maybe his mom was married before she married his dad. I don't know. Either way, you know what? Oh, well. You know, she she married my dad. They had four kids. And... uh, They would laugh if I said it was happily ever after. Um, But what about your story? And what about your story would interest the kids in your life? What can you teach kids in your life through story? I want you to think about story differently. Londa is thinking about story differently with your kids and your grandkids who are in the kids program. We want to use story to capture the attention and to fuel the imagination and to uh, seat truth into the hearts of kids. And you'll hear more about that as we go in the months and years ahead. But story is really important. God created it, and he created our minds to be able to receive it and to imagine even outside the storylines. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the story of Scripture We thank you for the story that is each of our lives. And God, you are writing the pages in the storybook that is our lives. Um, It says that uh, you understand every day of our life before the first one started. And God, you're the one who can run interference for us, the one who can redeem the bad and bring about good And God, we're thankful that you are the writer of our stories. Lord, as we share stories with our kids and our grandkids, help us to be selective, help us to be wise, help us to be intentional, sharing information and stories with them uh, that will allow them to connect with you and with us and with their environment and their world and with other people, stories that will bring Bring for them an empathetic, sympathetic heart toward others, a deeper, richer faith, and a stronger hope. Lord, we thank you for the story of Scripture and that you've written us into it when you said you so love us. In Jesus' name, amen.